Hi, and welcome to Rural Talk. I'm Matt Hildreth, Executive Director of RuralOrganizing.org. We're so excited for you to be with us today. This podcast is designed to empower and resource local rural leaders working to make progressive change in their communities. This conversation we're going to have next is with Joe Sudbay. Joe is a longtime political strategist who we work with at RuralOrganizing.org. He's also host of States of the States on Sirius XM. He has a national perspective on what's happening at the local and state level. And we talk about the lessons we can learn from the 2023 election cycle and apply them as we head towards the presidential election in 2024. Stick around for this conversation. I think you're going to like it. Hey, Joe, thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes to talk through the uh, election results. Oh, Matt, you know, I love this. (laughs) I love this. And I love it, especially when We've had a good night, and yesterday was a good night for progressives around the country. Yeah. So, you know, we've been working together for a long time, and we've watched a lot of election returns over the years. What do you think is different about this set of returns? Well, I think one of the things is these kind of these elections in odd years, um, you know, I always say there's no such thing as an off year election, right? Every election matters. But they've often tended to have lower turnout, not as much attention. Um, And it's one of the reasons why, for example, in Virginia, um, up until 2017, Republicans controlled that House of Delegates by a margin of 66 to 34. Yeah. Like that's a two to one margin in a hundred seat body. And 2017 changed a lot. And it was the election of Donald Trump. It got people focused. That was a year we worked very closely on the Virginia elections because Ed Gillespie made uh, attacks on immigrants a centerpiece of his campaign. Right. It didn't work. He lost badly. And then Democrats came literally within one vote. There was a tie vote in the in one of the House of Delegates races, but it ended up 51-49. Um, And I will tell you that yesterday in Virginia, Democrats took control of the House of Delegates again. They're at 51 right now. There's a race or two that are undecided in the Senate. They've got control. And this was a these races were so important and it wasn't a governor's race at the top of the ticket. Right. Uh, The candidates had to go out and do the work. Um, The current governor, Glenn Youngkin, wanted to make this a referendum on himself and on his attempt to find a new way for Republicans to talk about abortion bans by offering an abortion ban that he said wasn't an abortion ban. Right. Didn't work. Um, and it was it was quite it was quite a night in Virginia, really exciting. And the other thing, you know, remember Youngkin wanted to launch his presidential campaign. There were rumors circulating from billionaires that this was the week he was going to do it because they expected to him to take control. He gets a lot of love from billionaires. He gets a lot of love from the media too, which right. is really weird. So, um, but that was a big night. The other um, race, and I know you uh, and rural organizing did so much work in is Ohio. And this is another issue that is so different. What happened on issue one, a major win in Ohio for abortion rights. And Matt, you know, this is an issue you um, have talked about it. And I really want to hear some of your thoughts on it. Um, For a long time, in kind of progressive politics writ large, you know, I've worked on LGBT issues for a long time. I worked on the gun issue. And people would say, you can't talk about these issues. You can't talk about these issues. Well, people want to talk about issues and particularly the abortion issue. When you take 
rights away from people they notice. And like I said, in Ohio, I mean, in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin was actually trying to take rights away by imposing an abortion ban on uh, people in the state. But Ohio, man, that was that is a massive win in what has become a red state. It's like about almost 57%. I think the results in Ohio are going to be better than the abortion referendum in Michigan or very close to it last uh, November. I, th- I thought it was quite stunning. Uh, yeah, what, what about you? Somebody that's li- that lived in Columbus right um, down the street from the stadium, I can tell you that uh, anybody in Ohio would be thrilled to beat Michigan at anything. So I'm uh, <laughs> watching those numbers closely. Um, you know, for me, it's almost hard to remember what conventional political wisdom was before Donald Trump, right? Like there was this idea that one year would be good for the Democrats, one year would be good for the Republicans, people would make progress on one issue and then lose on another issue. But Republicans have been losing a lot lately. I mean, they have not had a good election year since 2016. And even in 2016, they won, they lost the popular vote for president and Trump won the the electoral college by what, 77,000 votes across three Midwest states. And I just, it's almost been hard for me to get my head around what conventional wisdom is anymore. I mean, there was a, for those that were doing work prior to Trump and even, I guess, prior to Obama, like it just seems like the world, the political world today is almost unrecognizable. And for me, the number one example of that is abortion. I mean, I can't tell you, I mean, I've known you for a long time. So I told you back, <laughs> you, you, you followed the, the progress over the years, probably closer than anybody, but it was like when, when I started role organizing.org back in 2012, I mean, it was like, do not talk about abortion. Do not talk about gay marriage. Do not talk about immigration. And it's just been fascinating to watch this. And I don't think voters shifted. I think it was just bad advice back then. And it's even more so the case now. I mean, Republicans are getting everything they wanted. Um, in the Trump era and it's, it's costing them elections everywhere. And I think with rural voters specifically, you know, the fact is rural voters do support Trump at higher rates. They do oppose abortion rights at higher rates, but that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at what actually moves the remaining voters that have not made up their minds yet. And when you look at what moves those voters? They're overwhelmingly under 45. They're younger people. They're millennials right now. Millennials are in their forties. They're Gen Z, which Gen Z is approaching their thirties. And you're talking about issues that at, at fundamentally are about improving their quality of life while decreasing their cost of living. And I think that's something that we've been really interested to watch, even on the you know, debate between talking about abortion or economics and all these other things. It's like, it's not just about jobs. It's about what is actually bringing down people's expenses, what's actually improving their life and what decisions they actually get to make. And I think that that's where we're seeing on on abortion specifically, that those are the issues that are actually moving people that are movable. You know, the boomers have already made up their minds. (laughs) They're not changing. Like, you know, Gen, Gen X is pretty locked in. 
Um, but there's this whole cohort of voters out there that are geographically more conservative, but generationally more progressive. And I think that's what we've been focusing on. And when you come at it from that lens, it's just, it's just, there's no doubt about it. Abortion is the top issue that we should be talking about. That's what's moving voters. And especially when Republicans like Mike Johnson have really weird views, um, that come from like the 1800s on, you know, uh, issues like abortion. It just seems like that that's going to be an issue going into 2024. It absolutely is. I mean, look, uh, Donald Trump has touted the fact that he got rid of um, Roe v. Wade, and he is very proud of that, and he owns it because in that world that matters. And it's one of the things I was I've been thinking about. That um, you mentioned conventional wisdom, and conventional wisdom is kind of a group think and. I think um, there's also there's this kind of DC conventional wisdom that sets in among the media, like who, like for example, love um, uh, Youngkin, and 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 who last year were telling us, oh, you know, abortion's not going to be a major issue, right. right? There was a consensus in the DC conventional wisdom crowd that it wasn't going to matter. Right. Now, I never believed that because, look, I. Actually, one of the things I do is, you know, I work at SiriusXM Progress. I talk to, I have a show called State of the States. I talk to state legislative candidates. And to a person, they were telling me when they were knocking doors, and they knock doors, which is different. You know, they're not seeing the world filtered through focus groups or polling or anything like that. They're actually talking to people. They actually heard over and over and over over and over about the abortion issue. It right. started with Emily Randall running in Washington State. You were actually canvassing with her right. the day after the Dobbs decision leaked, and I heard it over and over. And this year I heard the same thing in Virginia, that when they were knocking doors. And look, you and I are both married to actual researchers right. who will tell us, you know, there's a difference between, you know, research and anecdotes. And I said, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but when you hear it consistently for a long time, you know that something has changed. And I, and I, and I want to, that brings us to Kentucky because I mean, last year there was a referendum in Kentucky, uh, an abortion ban that was defeated by about 52 and a half percent. The governor of Kentucky, a Democrat, if he was following the old playbook, would never have talked about abortion. Right. If he was talking, uh, you know, the, the old kind of conventional wisdom, don't talk about these issues, especially in a red state like Kentucky. He talked about it every single day. He challenged his Republican opponent, Daniel Cameron, on the issue. Cameron couldn't come up with an answer. And the the governor, uh, Andy Bashir, never backed down. He won he won in 2019 by 0.4%. Now he's won. I think the margin is going to end up being over 5%. That's a big win in that state, and especially by someone who waited. And he also, the other thing he did is he vetoed some anti-trans bills. Again, these right. are the kind of things that, you know, you know, consultants in D.C. would be pulling their hair out saying, avoid this, avoid this, avoid this. But this is real people's lives and it impacts people. And, you know, in, look, there are some people who are never going to they, a lot of people don't care about those issues and they just think it's kind of creepy and mean that Republicans obsess about them. Mm -hmm. And that I think that's one of the things that we've been really stressing at ruralorganizing.org is, you know, the old playbook is not working. And right. I think that we've seen that now in on abortion in so many different states. I think that 
the idea that the old playbook isn't working is pretty widely accepted now, but I do think there's still a lot of debate about what is the new playbook. Now, our polling now, maybe I'm biased because it was our polling. Our polling pretty much predicted what we would see in Kansas, in Montana, in Ohio, and all of these other states where you put abortion on the on the ballot. Our polling, that same polling also shows issues even like um, gun control, right? Like rural voters are more likely to support the rhetoric around Second Amendment, but rural voters also want to see at, at around 50% uh, the assault rifle ban. They also want to, you know, rural voters are concerned about the rise of violent white supremacists. Like when you look at where the rural voters are at, the support for the progressive platform is still 15, maybe 20% running ahead of the democratic candidates. So I think that for me, abortion is just like the first piece of that validation and I think my hope is that we are able to show that, you know what, it's not the progressive issues that are costing Democrats votes in rural America. It's this lack of visibility. And that's something that we've been pushing really, really hard is it really isn't about this issue or that issue or this talking point or that talking point, you know, the PDF, this PDF or that PDF. It's really about who is in these communities and who is standing up and saying, I am fighting for I am fighting for us, right? Like it's not about coming into rural communities and listening to rural voters. It's about saying there are millions of rural Democrats. There are millions of Democrats living in rural America. Those people need to be resourced to be the brand ambassadors for the Democratic Party. And people vote because of the group they want to belong to. It's about identity. It's not just about ideology. And the fact is, is that right now people just aren't seeing Democrats in their communities. And that's something that we're going to be working on a lot going into 2024 is elevating that Democratic visibility, showing people they don't have to choose between being a small town or rural American and the Democratic Party, that there are um, millions of people out there that are doing it. And I think that leading with those local folks first is a much better strategy than coming up with all these different talking points. The messenger always matters more than the message. Yeah, I think that's really important and you've seen it. And, uh, you know, look, I, I'm fascinated by the um, yard signed program that uh, Rural Organizing launched in Ohio, both for issue one, um, when they were Republicans were trying to increase the threshold to pass this amendment, which got beat, de defeated badly in August. And then again, this year, and, you know, you know, again, it's one of these things where people will roll their eyes and say yard signs don't vote. And I think some of the same people who say that are the same people who will tell you to change the image on your Facebook or change your, you know, right. change, uh, well, you know, um, your, your, your Twitter background to have some image, you know, Yard signs don't vote, but people who put yard signs on their front yards vote. And guess what happens? Their neighbors see it and they talk and and it happens that way. And it's just a visible manifestation that, yes, indeed, we exist in these communities and it shows others. And talk a little bit about that, because I, I, I think this is just one of those, again, overlooked kind of simple, basic political tools that we got away from as people delved into, let's just do analytics. Yeah. And one thing that I've said a lot lately is that the Democratic Party has outsourced their 
campaigns, especially in rural America, to consultants instead of constituents. And the fact is, is that when you talk to people living in these communities who are wanting to engage their friends and neighbors on politics and you say, what do you need? The number one thing they say is yard signs. And like you said, political consultants, especially over the last couple decades, laughed at that and said, oh, that's that's unsophisticated. We need to do micro targeting and we need to do the next you know, big app and we need to do this next big data push. And I think all of that stuff does matter. I don't want to downplay it. But the fact is, is that at the end of the day, we know that all politics is local and in small towns and rural communities, politics is personal and people need the tools from organizations like ours to reach their friends and neighbors. We're not as an organization, the best group to talk to their friends and neighbors. They're the best group to talk to their friends and neighbors. And so we do see that yard science can move the needle by two percentage points when they're put in people's yards. That's what our research shows. That's what other uh, research has shown. There was a time when people said, oh, two, two points, that, that's nothing. <laughs> you know, that, that's completely ineffective. Well, it's about as effective as mailers. And also look at all the races that, especially in rural communities, have been run, uh, have been, have come down to two percentage points or fewer. And um, so I think yard signs do move the needle a little bit. But what we're finding more than anything is that the yard signs are empowering a, an entirely new generation and group of volunteers. And, you know, in Ohio, we went out and we placed about 11,000 signs over the last four or five months. And th that's great. We're excited about the yard signs. But what we're most excited about is that rec that recruited about 1,100 new volunteers across the state. And for an organization like ours to have 11,000 signs placed with about 1,100 volunteers, that really creates a whole new potential as we go into 2024 with uh, the shared brown race in Ohio. And, you know, we'll be looking at doing this in other battleground states as well through our super PAC. So that's kind of the next step here is how do we take the lessons learned for Ohio and roll it out on the national battleground states. And it's one of the things you often say is you want to show uh, Democrats and progressives how to, you say, <laughs> lose less, I say, close the margins right. in some of these communities, because every one of these votes matters, especially when you're statewide. And you, you know, look at some of the, how close some of these elections are. You mentioned the presidential race in right. 2016. And look, we're still counting votes in Virginia. Down, you know, Kimberly Pope Adams is down by about 170 votes right now. There's a good chance she could pull it out in House District 82, which in, is in Petersburg and Dinwiddie, I, I got to talk to her. She calls it a rural district. She calls right. her, you know, and so that kind of outreach matters. And and the, especially as you get down to these state legislative races, it really, really matters. And a few hundred more votes can make the difference between who controls your state uh, legislature, as we're seeing in Virginia. So, Matt, I could talk about this stuff all day, and I know um, we'll be talking a lot more about it. But um, man, this was just—it was a—it was a good night, and I, I know you've learned a lot from it. I hope, I hope a lot of others um, can can see some of the lessons that you're pulling from it too. Absolutely, I think um, this is a great boost for our momentum as we head into uh, 2024. So we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks.